It's one thing to have the faith to say, Lord, what would you have me do? But it's a whole nother level to say, okay, I'll do it. How can we increase our willingness to follow the Savior as we are searching for more personal peace? Hi, and welcome to Magnify, an LDS living podcast where we cheer, inspire, and embolden each other as women and followers of Jesus Christ. We hope to use our influence to make a difference in the world. I'm your host, Katherine Davis, a mom, a seminary teacher, and a grilling enthusiast who loves God. An important part of our Heavenly Father's plan is that He doesn't want us to simply do what is right, but He wants us to choose to follow Him and His will for us. Showing up with the willingness to God is a level of faith that will lead us to more peace. When we do this, we can know, like Nephi, that the Lord will prepare a way for us to accomplish His purposes as we courageously say, I will go and do. Joining me to think through and discuss how we can increase our willingness to follow the Savior is a new friend to magnify, Christy Brazau. We're so excited that you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. That's going to be so great. I'm looking forward to discussing more of President Nelson's talk and And every week, as you know, on the Magnify community, we've been delving into one attribute that can help us be more of a peacemaker. Yes. And this week, I'm excited to talk about willingness and how that can help us be more of a peacemaker. But before we do, I am excited to get to know you a little bit better, and I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit more. So I have some rapid fire questions for you. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. So you teach college in Florida where you're located. Yes. What courses do you teach and why do you love teaching them? I teach writing research, English composition, and African-American literature. I love all of my classes. African-American literature is my favorite because this is the literature that I grew up reading. And now I get to talk about it with all these amazing students. And so um, just seeing them, their openness and their willingness to learn, and I learn a lot from them still. We are constantly in this space, a safe space where we can talk to each other, learn from each other, uh, get outside our comfort zones, myself included. And so we all learn together. I just think literature is fascinating. And this type of literature has always been a special part of who I am. So this is going to be a hard question for you. Okay. If you had to choose one book that has made kind of the biggest impact in your life, what would it be? That is hard. I know. Um, Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to stick with what we're talking about with my African-American literature course, and that will be Richard Wright's Black Boy. I'm from Natchez, Mississippi, where Richard Wright is from. It is a rite of passage to read Black Boy. And I've seen my students blossom when we get to his writing. He's very much a realist when he writes. It's definitely impacted me. I think as a Southerner, someone who loves to tell stories, I'm very much from a culture where we sit outside on the porch and we talk about life and we talk about things that we've gone through and we tell stories. And so that's what Richard Wright does so beautifully in his autobiography, Black Boy. I would recommend that to everybody. I haven't read it. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go read that. Oh, yes. And I actually love that visual that you said in the South where you just sit on the porch and tell stories. I think that's one thing that I love about Southern culture is there's (laughs) just a more, I don't know, openness and it's beautiful. Yes. Okay. So you have four children, right? Yes, I do. 
What is one of your favorite activities to do with your kids? Music. We do music. Um, I have a violinist. That's my oldest. Uh, my 16-year-old plays the oboe. My son who's going into middle school wants to play the drums. And then I have a four-year-old who plays the bells. And then I sing too and, and dabble in a little piano. So music is definitely what we love to do together. What's one of your favorite songs to play? There's this song by this Korean pianist called Yurma. The song is called When the Love Falls. That's one that I've been practicing and working on. So I love that one. Right now, I'm working on some arias from the Messiah because I'm preparing for an audition in the fall to sing with the choir in, in the land, Florida. So I'm hoping that works out. But if not, singing Messiah is a blessing and I'll be there definitely. So that is something that I did learn is that you have sung with the choir at Tabernacle Square. Oh, yes. For a number of years. Yes. And why do you love to sing? You just, even as you were talking about it, why is singing so important for you? I think that it helps me to share the gospel with people in a way that I think is authentic to who I am. Uh, I, I think it helps me connect with people, especially members of the church. I mean, in Utah, we would have gospel music firesides because I'm, I have a Baptist background. Gospel music. And I can tell you, I've never seen members of the church move like that before. <laughs> and it, it, it strengthened my testimony, too, uh, to see them swaying and clapping and, and really getting into the music and being uh, so open to it. And so that was really fun. My mom is still in the Baptist church. She lives in Utah and she would sing with us at these firesides because that's where we started was singing together. And they were so welcoming to my mother. And uh, being able to express ourselves in that way. So music is something that I brought with me when I joined the church. And I always go back to the words that President Hinckley said when I was investigating the church. He said, bring all that you have. That is good. And we'll see if we can add on to it. So definitely bringing music was what I brought too. Okay, Christy, I just have to ask you. <laughs> you don't have to do this, but can I hear you sing like a line or two from your favorite gospel song? Let's see. I can sing a song from Mahalia Jackson. That's a solo I used to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, how I got over. How did I make it over? You know my soul looks back and wonder how I made it over. How I got over. How I got over, you know my soul looks back and wonder how I made it over. So this is a woman who's looking back over her life and she's saying, oh, wow, look at, look at how Heavenly Father brought me through these things that I've been through. So <laughs> that's just a snippet of it. Oh my gosh, the power in that. Christy, I love that. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? <laughs> Just the music, the depth that I think other religions have with music. I, I loved that hearing you. There's just, there's a spiritual attribute that can only be, I think, portrayed with music. And I love you're that. right. I agree with that. There, there's no other way for me to worship than without music. Beautiful.
Well, you can feel it when you sing, you can feel it. You can feel the love that you have for God and for Jesus Christ. Like that just comes across as you sing. That's what I want. So Christy, I am interested to talk to you about the attribute of willingness and aligning our will with God and how that can lead to more peace and how that can lead to allow us to be more of a peacemaker. And I think willingness is an interesting attribute to discuss because I don't think it's one that we often talk about, but the more you dive into willingness, the more you understand how important that is if we want to be more of a peacemaker. So why do you think willingness is so important or so crucial? And what does that term mean to you? I think willingness is part of Heavenly Father's plan because he gave us agency. And so in this talk that we're reading, Let God Prevail, President Nelson says that he won't make us do anything. He won't make us gather Israel. He won't make us let him prevail in his life. We have to be willing to do those things. And anytime we're willing to follow the will of Heavenly Father, that brings peace automatically. For example, I, I've been thinking about retirement. I've had to talk to someone about my retirement. I can't believe it, uh, but it's going to come. But I've been learning about investing. And so you never really know what's going to happen uh, when you're investing But in this case, with our Heavenly Father, we know what the return will be if we're willing to follow him. Then we will have the everlasting peace that we're looking for. And so uh, it it makes it to where I know that I can trust him and I can follow his plan for me because he will never let me down. He'll always be there. And I think where my struggles have come is when I've been willing and I know Heavenly Father will help me. I know that he will bless me because he asked me to do it and I'm going to do it. My struggle has come when I've done those things and I didn't see the return, I guess, or I didn't notice it, or it turned out uh, in a way that I didn't even think was good. And so those kind of things can shake your faith a little bit where I go, I'm doing exactly what you asked me to do. And the return didn't come. Can you give me an example of that? I have so many. Well, shortly after my dad died, I received a prompting to apply to teach seminary and go through those seminary classes. And after he had died in December, those classes started in January. I was actually excited about something. I was excited to start these classes. I thought I'm going to follow Heavenly Father's will. And I went through that whole process to teach seminary. And I went and did my student teaching and I got the call at the end saying that we're not going to hire you on. And it was just such a blow. You know, I mean, I I hadn't cried like that since his death. And I thought I had to go through all of this and and months of the trainings and the student teaching and doing what I knew Heavenly Father wanted me to do. I couldn't doubt that. And that wasn't what I was expecting to get all the way to the end and be told no. And those moments, I go back to what I know is true, what I'm completely solid in. And that is that he loves me. That is that uh, I was clear on what he told me to do. And I can rest assured that I followed his will for me. He told me to do it and I did it. It didn't turn out like I thought it would. But I can go back to those solid things where, you know, I, I can prove that I will follow Heavenly Father's will for me, even if I don't understand what that outcome 
So is that where the peace has come for you? Oh, yes. Yes, it definitely comes from knowing that if I don't take my eyes off of Jesus Christ, I just go out and the way is not perfectly clear. I can still prove that I am willing to do God's will too. And so many examples. I mean, one was getting baptized. It wasn't like I was not happy in the faith that I was in. Uh, I had strong Baptist roots. I talked about this before where my great-grandmother helped to build this church with a hammer and nail. And my whole family was there. My cousins, the music that I love was there. Stepping away from that and going off on my own to be baptized was definitely following the will of Heavenly Father. And as long as I kept my eyes on Jesus Christ, I kept my eyes on the moment where I felt this conversion in my heart, then I knew that I was doing the right thing and that I would be okay. But it takes courage to do that and unwavering faith to go and to do that. Yeah, I think there is a difference between being willing and then acting on that willingness. Yes. Right? And obviously in your conversion story, you had to not only be willing, but you had to act on that willingness. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience and what you learned from that? Well, I didn't just want to leave the church uh, because I have such strong roots, like I said, and my family was there. And so we wrote a letter that was read to the church the Sunday that I would get baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Did you write a letter to be read? Yes, I did. Wow. And I tried to fill it with as much gratitude as possible because that's where my foundation was. You know, those were my roots. But for me, it was time to grow, I think, spiritually. And I just knew that I was doing the right thing. I was on a fast that no one knew I was fasting, but I learned that from my mom to fast if I had questions, spiritual questions. And that's when I came in contact with the missionaries. It was through watching TV and I saw a commercial advertising Lamb of God. I called to get the video and the missionaries showed up at my house with that Lamb of God video, but also the Book of Mormon and asked me to read it. And you were willing to read it? I was willing to read it. Yes. Hmm. I read it and received answers to prayers that I had. And uh, they talked to me about baptism and being baptized by those with the proper authority. I decided to go out on faith. I was 17 years old and I went out on faith and I had the support of my mom and she was the one that I was concerned about the most. <laughs> and she showed me love and support throughout the whole thing. And so when I wrote this letter to my Baptist church and it was read my last Sunday there, I received an overwhelming amount of love and support. Because most of my family was there. And so I feel really blessed that I that was my experience because I know that wasn't for a lot of people who joined the church. Yeah. But I was sent off with a lot of love and, and support. But it was still hard to leave. Were you expecting that? Was it hard because you were willing to receive answers? You were willing to pray and ask about the Book of Mormon. And that requires a willing heart. But then you also were willing to act upon the revelation you received. And were you expecting your family to be supportive? My family showed support so much throughout my life that I didn't think they would not hmm. support me in, in what I was doing, joining the church. And so my mom was the one who received a lot of concern thinking, okay, she's too young. Does she really know what she's doing? You know, is she rebelling? 
So it was mainly my mom who received some comments from here and here and there yeah. from people in the congregation. But as far as support, I got that from my family 100%. No matter what, though, I would have followed God's will for me. Why? Because if I didn't follow his will for me, then I don't have that opportunity to show him that I will follow him. To witness a miracle or be part of a miracle, I wouldn't have that opportunity if I didn't follow him. Even now in my life, without following him, I wouldn't have that opportunity to strengthen my testimony. Hmm. And so I won't not do it because of fear. And I won't not do it because of pride. Because what's the trade-off with that? Okay, maybe comfort, but there's no growth. Maybe happiness, but that's not lasting something fleeting of the world. And so if what I'm searching for is everlasting peace, then I will follow Heavenly Father's will no matter what. Well, Christy, it just sounds like from really a young age, we mentioned this earlier, but you really have applied President Nelson's counsel when he said this. He said, the word willing is crucial to this interpretation of Israel. We all have our agency. We can choose to be of Israel or not. We can choose to let God prevail in our lives or not. We can choose to let God be the most powerful influence in our lives or not. Right. And that choice, you said you were 17? Yes. That choice at 17, allowing and choosing to let God prevail in your life. How has that influenced other choices you have had to make? The older you've gotten? Well, I think with accepting callings and not only callings uh, that are given to me at church, but call to, to teach at this school that I'm teaching at now. And I'm a mother and I have four kids and sometimes I wonder how all this is going to fit together. And I've accepted a call to teach. I go forward again, not knowing how it's going to work out, but keeping my focus on Jesus Christ and things fall together. They always do. I think with singing, sometimes I would get scared to sing. Uh, sometimes hymns of the restoration scare me and you have to stand there and sing, you know, where I'm used to being able to move. I'm used to being able to clap, but you stand there and you sing. Sometimes it was scary and it takes faith to go and use your gifts and share them with people and realize that it's not about you. It's not about, it's not about me. If I really want to do the Lord's work. And I have to be willing to do things that will make me uncomfortable. It reminds me of this quote, which I love. It says, faith to be faith must go into the unknown. Oh, yes. Faith to be faith must walk to the edge of the light and then a few steps into the darkness. That's right. Why do you think that's how it is? Because I feel that, Christy. Like I feel that in, in my life so many times that it is these steps into the unknown with your teaching seminary or with your baptism or with other experiences you have had, it's like these steps into the darkness. What if it seems too dark or too scary and we can't necessarily find the willingness to make that leap? I would say think back to your lowest moment where you can't go any lower. And if you're there, just try it. Just, just try him. Is, is what I would say. If we can't go any lower and we don't have anywhere else to turn, then just try Heavenly Father and see. And then the most of us, I think if we're able to look back over our lives, 
we can we can remember even if we were little we can remember a time when i pray for that it happens a lot with when we're little with little kids and we pray and things happen we pray for you know my kids in utah would pray for snow and then it snowed the next day and they would pray to find something and they found it those were training grounds and i think that those were experiences that heavenly father gives us when we're little to let us know that he is there for us. And we can look back on that. It could be something so small, but he will answer the prayer of a young person, a little person. And we can remember feeling something in your heart and just knowing something, knowing Heavenly Father was there, knowing that he's working something in our lives. And I would say, go back to that moment and then try. So what does it look like to try? Try what? Talking to Heavenly Father, whether it's out loud or whether it's in your heart, just talk to him and say, I don't even know how to try. I want to be willing. I don't know how to be willing. Or just be really honest and say, I'm scared. This is scary. And I don't know what to do. And just pour your heart out. And that's trying to me. Yeah. And a loving Heavenly Father will never leave you. No, because I love that the Savior is always inviting us to come. Come and see, come and feel, come and experience knowing that he is there. Yes. And sometimes it takes that willingness to trust that he is there and to try. And to just try. I mean, Jesus Christ was at a low, low moment, his lowest moments in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he asked, you know, if this cup could be taken away from him. And it was not. But Heavenly Father sent an angel to give him comfort. And so something will happen. He did it for Jesus Christ. He will do it for everyone. And my mom, when she was teaching me how to pray, she said, you know, you can pull things back to Heavenly Father, Christy. And you can say, you did this for Christ. I know that you can do this for me. And as a daughter of God, I like to make my father in heaven proud. I like to make him happy. And I know that comes from being willing to follow his will and talking to him in a way that says, I know that you can do this. I trust you. I'm down right now. I'm so confused, but I know that you love me. Help me to hold on. I want to hold on. And even if it's just a sliver of faith, I still want to hold on to this. And he will do it. Because I think we all have those moments where we get super low. I think we do. And, and I think that's part of the plan. Oh, yes. And I love how you said how important it is to remember. And maybe that's why it's mentioned so often in the scriptures and the Book of Mormon is to remember those times where you have received an answer or remember those times where you have felt light or felt close to our Heavenly Father. And sometimes it's just in the remembering that holding on to that. That's all we have for an extended period of time. Exactly. Just holding on to that. And sharing it with other people. You know, my mom would always say, Christy, trouble don't last always. It will come to an end. Something will. Whether it's a torment that you're feeling inside your heart, whether it's a pain in your body physically, there's a pain in your mind mentally, Heavenly Father will help. He will come to our aid. So true. Well, Bonnie Corden even said this. She said, true joy rests on our willingness to come closer to Christ and witness for ourselves. Just like what you were saying, like tr true joy comes when we're willing to take that step into the unknown, when we're willing to leave the boat and walk towards him, 
when we're willing to follow, even when we're unsure of the outcome, whether that's like you said, with being baptized or trying to teach seminary, a lot of those are in, in the unknown, but joy comes when we're willing and when we act on that willingness. Yes. So as you've chosen the savior's way, and you've been working on increasing your willingness to know him better. What have you learned about the character of God? And what have you learned about yourself? I've learned that Heavenly Father wants his children to grow. So in those moments where I have been willing to follow his will, and I feel like things didn't turn out the way that I thought they would, then that's a loving Heavenly Father saying, well, it's time to grow in your faith. Hmm. You know, will you prove yourself here? Which is deep down what I want to do anyway. So it's been helpful for me to learn the way the Heavenly Father works. And it's not just where I put in a request or I do this and I automatically get what I think that I'm going to get back. So do you think he was still leading you when you felt prompted to take those seminary teaching classes and it didn't work out? Was he still leading you? No doubt. No doubt. And I think it was because I was just excited about something. I wasn't sad. And then I learned some truths from my teaching preparations that I can use now. Did go on to teach still. And I'm teaching at a college right now. I think that helped me because I have students now who are searching. Of course, I'm not at a school that's a church school, but I can definitely lead them through research in my writing and research class. There's no doubt that he was guiding me, but the call was for something else and not what I thought. And you just had to be willing to take those steps. Yes, definitely. I think of willingness and trying to stay vigilant in my quest to be willing to follow the Savior. And I always think of Nephi, right? That story of Nephi's courage mm -hmm. in Nephi 1 chapter three, verse seven, where he says, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. For I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commanded them. Right. I think that took so much faith and willingness for Nephi to understand that the Lord would prepare a way. And I love this quote from Elder Bednar. When Elder Bednar was talking about the story, he, to seminary teachers, he said, do you think in the middle of it, Nephi saw all the things that God was doing? Oh, no. And then he said, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it was until he was looking back and remembering right. and writing the things that he saw God's hand in it. And I think sometimes when we're in the middle of it, whether that's teaching seminary or Whatever that is for me, when I'm in the middle of it, I don't always necessarily feel like maybe God is leading me. But if I'm willing to be led, when I look back, I can always see his hand. Definitely. And I, I expect obstacles to come. I mean, it's hmm. just not going to come easy. So when I am following Heavenly Father's will for me, I just know there are going to be some bumps in the road. and I'm going to be frustrated. Uh, I'm going to shed some tears. I'm going to feel weak at times, but I've made up my mind from the beginning that I'm going to do this. I'm going to see it through until the end. And so we go in willing and we say, okay, no matter what, we're going to accomplish this task or we're going to stay with it until the end. Then whatever comes, but whatever comes, 
we will accomplish the thing that Heavenly Father has asked us to do. So what has been the most important lesson that you've learned as you've let God prevail and been willing to follow those promptings? The most important lesson that I've learned is that he will always answer prayers. I know we hear that a lot. He'll always answer our prayers in whatever way that he sees fit for us to grow. And I can't deny that because I've had so many experiences where, where he has where I called out and I've asked for help from the atonement of Christ and he has been there. And so at this point in my life, there's just no denying it. So I've gone through struggles. I've gone through spiritual struggles, but I made up my mind at 17 that I'm going to stay focused on Jesus Christ. And so the waves will come. I knew they would, and they did come and they were just here last week. But I kept my focus on Jesus Christ, and that's how I'm still here. That's how I'm still a member of the church. That's how I'm still serving, because I know the Heavenly Father answers prayers. What happened last week? You know what? Last week, my mind focused on the only one. I just felt like we're always the only ones in my family. Hmm. The only ones. And I was just sick of it. We're always the only black family. We're always the only ones who want you know, this type of music. And we were okay with that. But for some reason last week, I just said, I'm sick and tired of being the only one. You know, and we don't want that anymore. But then where are we going to go to? To whom will we go? To whom will we go? To have all the knowledge, to have all the blessings, the temple, and just feeling, just not really knowing where home was anymore as far as a faith. And this is the first time I've ever been through that. It's the first time I've ever really? experienced it. Yes. And I'm looking up and thinking after 25 years, you know, everybody returns home at some point. But then where is home now? It just took a lot of prayer. And I think that came because I was preparing for this podcast too. And I went and I was reading over the talk again from President Nelson, or come follow me, we're studying Acts and the gospel being out, going out to everyone. I don't know, I just started to feel that inclusion again, because I was feeling like no one understands me, no one understands my family. We're just always the only ones. And we just have to pray and, and fast and forgive and be kind. But it was just feeling weary, I guess. Feeling weary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I might not be able to understand a, a lot of maybe how you felt last week, and maybe a lot of listeners can't, but I think we can all understand the feeling weary. Yeah. And so when you feel that, when you feel weary, when you feel like you've reached a limit <laughs> that maybe I don't know how much more I can do last week or whenever that is in your life, how has willingness to go to and turn to our Heavenly Father, how did that help you find peace this last few days? That's where it comes. That's where it comes right then when you're just at the end of your rope. That's when we get to prove ourselves. I don't know if that comes from a bit of stubbornness. I don't know if that comes from saying you're not going to win, but it's just when you get right there at the end, and you just push through right there. 
that's when we get to prove ourselves as disciples of Jesus Christ. They go, I want to be among those who chose him when it was really hard. And so, yes, we got right there, right there at the end and go, you know what? It could be as simple as I'm going to get up and go to church on Sunday. Huh. I'll show you. Okay. <laughs> yes. I'm going to do that. I'm still going to get on my knees and pray. I'm going to do that. I'm going to read from the Book of Mormon because I didn't come this far just to come this far. And I can look back and go, you know, you've been through harder. This is all in your head, first of all. You it can't. You made it up or came from somewhere, but this is all in your head right now. I like being able to prove myself to Heavenly Father. I care about what He thinks of me, not anyone else. What does Heavenly Father think of me? And I often think about, <laughs> this is where my mind goes, to our conversations. What is it going to be like when we get to sit down and talk face to face? Me and Heavenly Father. I want to be able to sit and reminisce on, remember this time when, you know, when I want him to say, yes, but you chose me. That's what I want. This world can't give you that type of peace. That won't hmm. come from any other person. If we have our sights set on that, he, he mentioned in this talk not being myopic, nearsighted. But if our, our focus is on the eternal and we're sitting with our Heavenly Father and we, at, we were at that lowest point, then I want to be able to say, I didn't turn my back. I was hurt. I was confused. I really didn't even understand you, Heavenly Father, at that moment. I did not understand what you're doing with my life. But I knew that there was no other alternative. I knew that if I turned my back, to, to what? To something that's not lasting. Uh, that's where I want to be in my relationship with my Heavenly Father. And to think of a more, you know, it thinks to think of things in a more eternal perspective. And when I do that, when those moments come, like last week when I'm feeling down about things, um, I look to that and go, I'm going to be willing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go and do it anyway. And what I might fall on my face, but you know what? I'm going to crawl and I'm just going to be there. And I'm going to stay there. And I'm going to stay with Heavenly Father. In the, in the Baptist church, in the song we sing, it says, I think I'll run on and see what the end's going to be. I think I'll go ahead and stay in this race and I'll see what the end's going to be. Christy, first of all, thank you for being so real and so vulnerable. Because I think we can all relate to those moments where we just feel a lack and we feel where do we turn or we're without hope and things are hard and they're not turning out like we think they should, even though we're trying to do our best and do all the things. Yes. It's not looking like how we think we should. And your willingness is such an example to me. That if we're willing to turn to our Heavenly Father in, in hard moments and in good moments, that He can fill us with peace. That that's where peace comes. I love how you said that. That that's where peace comes is Him, the Prince of Peace. Yes. I mean, can you imagine Jesus Christ saying to you, will you leave me too? <sighs> oh, no. And go where? And go where? And it all starts with trying to have that willing heart. And it's the willingness that can grow, right? Like even in Alma 32, where we're talking about gaining a testimony, it all starts with that desire. It all starts with that willingness. And so if we are lacking, if we are questioning, if we are wondering, it starts with 
willingness. It starts with the desire to, I love how you said that, try, to just try. And it doesn't have to be something grand either. I mean, I have a little garden that I'm working in. I spend a lot of time in the garden with my four-year-old son. And just watching him has helped me to increase my willingness to just plant a seed because he plants a seed and he just expects it to grow. (laughs) And me, I'm watching over it. Did I put it in the sun, right? You know, did I plant it too deep? You know, here in Florida, sometimes those seeds rot underneath the ground. But he just plants a seed and he goes about his life. And I thought... Um, that's the type of unwavering faith that, that I want. And then he planted a seed and it was knocked over and it didn't grow. And he says, why didn't it grow? And then he went and he just planted another one. I mean, he wasn't hung up on why didn't the seed grow? What happened? What did I do wrong? Or did someone wrong me? Did someone wrong the seed? No, he just went and he planted another one. He's just willing to try again. He's just willing to try again. <laughs> yes. And so small things like that have really helped. Working in the garden with my son have really helped me. So when those big things come, especially when it comes to trials of your faith, I can think back to this little time in the garden with my son and his example of unwavering faith and to be willing, to be willing to just plant the seed and watch it grow. If it doesn't grow, okay, well, we're going to plant another one. Learning from little kids is wonderful. <laughs> Well, and I get to learn from you right now, (laughs) like not only being willing, but acting on that willingness, Mm -hmm. letting God prevail. I love that thought that God can make more of our lives than we could possibly ever do on our own. And in order for that to happen, we have to be willing to let him be in charge, no matter how scary that seems. Definitely. I think it'll be more scary to go at it without him. Yeah. By myself or with uh, something that was was fleeting in this world, unreliable, unsure. That's scary. That's scarier, I think, than to trust in God and trust in his will for me. So, Christy, we'd like to end every episode with a small and simple challenge, something that we can work on throughout the week. So what would be your small and simple challenge for us to increase our willingness to follow the Savior this week? Okay, so now you're bringing out the the English professor. So I would ask you to write down things. You know, just think about things in your life, maybe when you were a kid, where a Heavenly Father has blessed you, where you pray for something and you received an answer to your prayer. Write that down. Because that will be golden. That will be your scriptures that you've written when those times do come, when you're on shaky ground and being tossed. So write it down and go, if you could do it for five-year-old me, you can do it for me right now. And I think that will help with willingness. Yeah, because those times will come. They will come. Such good advice. Christy, thank you so much for being willing to share today and being willing to talk with us. I have learned so much about my personal relationship with the Savior and how I can be kind of a better disciple. Oh yeah. Okay. It's going to be hard. Okay. It's going to be rough, but we'll be there together. Thank you. I loved when Christy said, peace comes at the end of your rope when you're willing to follow him. And I have found that in my life Way too often, it's at the end of my rope, but the peace always comes. He has promised. 
Thanks for being here and hop on over to Instagram at Magnify Community for more inspiration and conversation. And of course, subscribe and listen to the Magnify podcast wherever you get your shows. Let's meet up again next week.